Okay, let's see. If you have a Bible with you, open to Matthew 28. Wasn't it a great celebration last week? It was such a privilege to have Andrew Bryce here from Summerside Community Church. I thought he did a great job of uh, telling the history of our church, at least from, like he said, through the lens of his perspective. Um, so much was new to me. It was, it was the most concise telling of um, our history that I'd heard yet. And I think he did a great job of not only reminding us of our history, but inspiring us for the future. There, was, there were moments when he shared you could feel the weight in the room, and it was good. Um, I especially appreciated Andrew's connecting the dots between that first vineyard church that was planted on the island to us, how, how they had... Like cut down the trees so that we could, so that we could work the land, you know. And if you think about it, even just throughout history, you know, we're just part of what somebody else has done somewhere, right? There's been influences from so many other streams, from so many other ministries and churches throughout our lives. We just have the privilege to walk out uh, this part of it, and so it was. Boy, it was just a, just a great job. And, you know, and next week, like I announced, we have leaders from Vineyard Canada visiting with us. I look forward to it. I, I'm excited about the increased level of connectedness that it brings to us and Vineyard Canada's Atlantic region. So what I want to do today is, um, my hope is to bridge the gap between Andrew's message last week and the Vineyard guys who are coming uh, next week. I want to do three things. This morning, I want to share with you some of my personal story of my journey with the vineyard. Um, we're going to show a brief, uh, well, it's about a 17-minute video on the history of the vineyard. This week, I did some research. I thought it would be good for us, with these guys coming next week, if we had a, an understanding of the, the bigger picture of, of what the vineyard is. And, and in researching the history, I found a 17-minute video. I'm thinking, wow, they did a better job in those 17 minutes than I could do so. We'll show that in the middle. And then I want to talk a little bit about uh, Vineyard uh, Canada. And so, um, but I did want to add a scripture verse. So if you're at Matthew 28, and I did not give this verse to Willie ahead of time. My apologies, darling. She's amazing. <laughs> Verses 18 to 20. And... Just to make it harder for her, I'm going to use the New American Standard Bible instead of the NIV. This is my fault, not her fault. I'm supposed to give it to her on Friday, and I forget almost every week. And she does she do an awesome job? It makes it look effortless. You know, pull this off on a Sunday morning. We got lots of hands that do stuff, and William Brahm are just amazing. I think they're the first ones here every Sunday, and they just work tirelessly, and boy, I appreciate you guys. You make my job easier. Thank you. <laughs> and so anyway, Matthew 28. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So Lord, I thank you for your word and the truth and the power that's in your word. Lord, I pray that your word would have its full impact on us, that it would change us and make us to be more like you. Amen? Amen. This verse has been on my heart. These verses have been on my heart this week. At some point, I want to unpack it. I want to do more thorough research into it. And I have a, I've just been looking at things from a different perspective. And so I want to at some point teach on it from a different perspective, but today's not that day, <laughs> but I will get there. But listen to it from, from the message. I just couldn't resist it in a little bit here. So in the, I love Peterson's The Message. It's just, he speaks more naturally than some of our biblical writers. So it's a good paraphrase. He said, Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave them this charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out. And train everyone you meet, far and near, in this way of life. Making them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then, instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you 
as you do this day after day after day right up to the end of the age boy it's so true all that he commanded us if you look through the New Testament there's really one time Jesus said I give you a new command and, and it was this he said to love one another what powerful language for, for a Hebrew to use if he uses the word command Right? What do you think of? You think of the Ten Commandments. How could you not? So I give you a new command. He could have said to them, Hey guys, number 11. <laughs> it would have had the same impact. I give you a new command. Love one another. I think that's the heart of discipleship. That we learn to be better lovers. Lovers of God, lovers of people. So anyway, rabbit trail. In the early days of the vineyard, the, the vineyard had an expression... Um, for Jesus' words here in Matthew 28, 20, the part where it says, Instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. They had a little catchphrase. And they called it doing the stuff. And I remember at one point they had these cool sweatshirts with a, like a little hand, outline of a hand. It said, embroidered, doing the stuff over it. They had cat, you know, baseball caps. I always wanted one of those caps. I never got one. Maybe we should make some up. I don't know. Doing the stuff. That's how they referred to the Great Commission. You know, these verses in Matthew 28 are commonly known as the Great Commission. The vineyard, they, they just said it was doing the stuff. I tell you what, I liked doing the stuff back then, I still like doing the stuff today. So I, I want to share some of my history with the vineyard, my early exposure to the vineyard movement. So there's a buddy of mine, John Nyan, he's my friend, my mentor. Uh, he was making preparations to, to pastor a new church. He was leaving um, a church called All Saints in Park Slope, Brooklyn, where he was an associate pastor. And he's going to be the senior pastor of his own church about, about an hour away in a place called Franklin Square. It was St. James Adjust Episcopal Church. Both of them were Episcopal churches. John was a great guy, good friend, amazing Bible teacher, strong leader. And we were buddies. And he was my mentor. Um, at the time, I remember God telling me uh, that he would use John to raise me up into ministry. And that's, that's exactly what happened. John just kind of mentored me. I got to do everything in the church. I got to clean the toilets. I got to, I got to set up the chairs. And I got to preach on Sundays. I got to lead worship. And he would, he would help me with all that. He critiqued me and he encouraged me. It was good. He was a really good friend. And um, a little sip of water here. As John was making preparation to transition from the Brooklyn Church to the Franklin Square Church, um, the summer before that, he decided to go to a conference in Ashland, Ohio. It was a vineyard conference. And because Nadine and I had decided to go from the Brooklyn Church to the Long Island Church with them to help him in this endeavor, um, he took me along on this conference. I'm not even sure I'd ever heard of the vineyard before that. And it was a, this is the name of the conference, Church Growth, Leadership, and the Kingdom of God in the 90s. I still have the binder with all the notes on my bookshelf. I was able to pull it out and look at all my handwritten notes, some cool stuff. It was in Ashland, Ohio, um, and, and uh, it was my first exposure to them. So we go to the first session. There was like some 2,000 people there. This place was packed. I'm thinking, man, who are all these people? We're on some college campus. We, matter of fact, we even slept in dorm, room, uh, dorm rooms. And John yawns really loud. <laughs> Never knew before what an unusual yawn he had. I'm sitting there one, in the dorm room, and I'm just about to go to sleep right here. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> How did you stay married all these years? They did with a stuffed pillow over my face. Not that I don't have a strange yawn, but... Anyway, 2,000 people, and a couple of things captured my attention right away that first night. The worship was outstanding. They had an amazing worship team, and you know, worship has a way of just wiggling its power into my heart like nothing else really can. And, and, um, and so I was really impressed by the worship, and they had a great team, and then the keyboard player got up, and he came to the microphone. I'm thinking, who is this guy? He looks like Santa Claus in a Hawaiian shirt, and... And white shorts. 
Well, that was John Wimber. And I was thinking, this, this is the guy that's leading this conference, this whole thing? I mean, he had every bit of California laid-back kind of guy kind of look going on. It was an amazing week. I heard amazing messages that week from John Wimber, from Peter Wagner, from Ken Gullickson, Don Williams. Some of you guys are familiar with those names. Others, I know that it's new. Another thing that impressed me about that week. Now, this you, you hold a conference, 2,000 people show up. That's a big deal, right? And you would think for 2,000 people, you're going to put only the best that you have up front. Well, he let everybody play. There were young guys up there. I'm sure they never in their life spoke to a crowd that size before. And he just kept encouraging full participation by everybody. And I was thinking that was pretty cool. I was also impressed by John Wimber for this reason. He was, he was authentic. He would tell you about his successes, but he'd also tell you about his failures. You know, you can trust a guy who tells you when he makes mistakes, right? Because we all make mistakes. And he wasn't all that worried about hiding his shortcomings. And so great messages. But I remember one in particular, this guy Don Williams, Dr. Don Williams. Been in the vineyard a long time. When you look at him, he came up on stage. He had every bit the look of an absent-minded professor. He wore a white collared shirt, long sleeve shirt that in its lifetime, never saw an iron, okay? This shirt couldn't possibly be more wrinkled. And the tail on one side is hanging out. And I'm not even sure if the pants actually fit him right, but he was thin, and he had a really tight belt on, so they stayed up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know if his shoes had ever had a shine on them. And, I'm and his hair's messy, and I'm looking at this guy, and I'm thinking, who is this guy, and why is he up there? Well, he begins to speak about evangelism, and it was, it was just incredibly anointed. It was just a powerful message. And I remember it impacted me greatly. And so, as was typical in most of these venue conferences, at the end of a message, they'd have everybody stand. They're going to have ministry time. And so everybody stands up, and the common catchphrase back then, Don Williams, all the vineyard guys would say was, Come Holy Spirit. And when they said that, Holy Spirit came. Boy, you could just feel the presence of God. Land in the room, and, and I was kind of like sitting in the middle over here somewhere. It was, this was a smaller session. It wasn't a group of 2,000. But I was kind of sitting center of the, the, the gathering and kind of in the middle. And I was standing up, and he says, come Holy Spirit. And I could just feel the Spirit of God land on me. And then something was just kind of stirring, like down in my gut. And I could feel, I could feel like this groan begin to bubble up inside of me. And this is what I'm thinking. Oh my God, I have a demon. <laughs> and if I let this thing out, everybody's going to know I have a demon. i got to fight to hold this thing in. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> like, oh no God, please don't let the demon come out now in front of everybody. And as the presence of God intensified in the room, I just couldn't hold it back anymore. And this groan comes out. And the next thing I know, all these people are laying hands on me. I'm thinking, I knew it. They think I have a demon. You know? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it was a demon. It was the Spirit of God. This enemy just groaning out in, in, uh, in a moment. It's powerful. These people prayed for me. It was just an anointed moment. And then somebody from behind me, my eyes were closed. I was so, you know. In, in the spirit, in the moment. and Somebody from behind me lays their hands on me and they prophesied to me and I can still hear their words. He said, many will be birthed through you, but only with much pain as a woman in labor. And everybody went, ooh. <laughs> and after a while they stopped praying and some lady, I don't know who, came up to me and said, do you know who that was that prophesied over you? I was like, no, I don't. And she told me the name. For the life of me to this day, I can't remember who it was, but she thought it was a big deal. <laughs> And the words have stayed with me ever since. This has got to be, let's see, my son's birthday was yesterday. He turned 27. He wasn't quite born yet. So this was more than 27 years ago. It was a powerful experience. It just had a huge, huge impact on me. While we were there, John and I would meet a lot of these vineyard guys, guys like Lance Pitlock and Mike Turgiano. Uh, they were in the process of moving to our area of New York on Long Island to plant the Vineyard Church. And so it was, it was just a God thing. We got to connect with these guys out there. They're just great guys. And so they started this Vineyard Church out there, and we became friends. Our churches became friends. And we would do stuff together. They were holding, these, uh, regular, they were holding conferences regularly. They were doing like training events on healing. 
Maybe some of you guys remember healing one, two, and three, right? And after they did healing, they did spiritual gifts, one, two, and three. And they were, they were holding these events at, a, at Hofstra University uh, in Nassau County on Long Island in New York. And so if they had an event, we were there. We were the first ones online. The worship was great. I was learning how to play guitar. I loved vineyard worship in the early days. If you knew G, C, and D, man, you had an amazing repertoire <laughs> of worship songs you could do. So we were just gleaning everything we could from them. They had a huge impact on me, a great impact on John and the church, and we became friends. So fast forward, I mean, right now, I mean, lots of life has gone on, right? 25 years or more have passed, and Lance uh, is now the, the, the pastor of the Anaheim Vineyard, which is like, you know, for, me- for, for the vineyard, that's like Mecca. That's, you know, that's the home base. That's the mothership. And so Lance is... That's John Wimber's old church. And so Lance is there. Mike Turgiano has a great church in Brooklyn. And I got to spend time with Mike uh, you know, before we moved down here. Really good guy. So after the conference, we returned to New York and um, began our work at St. James. And we're really blessed by, by these guys from the vineyard. So eight years pass, and uh, Nadine and I feel like God's calling us to go to West Virginia to plant a church. I've never planted a church before. I, it feels like it's God, but I know how to do this. And John had never planted a church before. He didn't know how to do it. But these vineyard guys did. So we went and we met with them. And, and they were great. Lance gave me tons of, of materials. And he connected me with a, a friend of his, uh, Todd Hunter, who, um, who would become the next uh, national leader of the vineyard after, after John Wimber. We went, he was in Virginia Beach at the time. We drove down to Virginia Beach. He spent all kind of time with us and... Talk to us all about different uh, intricacies of how to plant a church and what we should and shouldn't do. And I walked away with a box full of, of tapes, cassette tapes back in the day, of these, ses- these training sessions that the vineyard did for church planters. These guys were wonderful. And so Nadine and I planted a vineyard church, excuse me, we planted a church in Clarksburg, West Virginia, that was very vineyard-like. It, it wasn't officially associated with the vineyard, but had its style, it had its... It's laid-back kind of style. It was relational. It had contemporary worship. It was a, a real comfortable uh, feel. And we were, there for, we were there for eight years. After that, we accepted a call from a vineyard church in Washington State, in Kennewick, Washington. And, and so we had a long history with the vineyard there as well. And, and then before we came here, uh, I was helping the co-pastor of a vineyard church uh, on Long Island, the Mosaic, in Bohemia, New York. So the vineyard has played a significant role in my spiritual journey. Um, and it's, I'm excited that I could be here now and be pastoring another vineyard church. And, um, and as I've spoken to some of you, it seems like the, our involvement with the vineyard has been, I don't know, kind of loose and, and not, not highly active. My hope is that we could see that change. I think the vineyard's wonderful. It has a rich history. It's been so life-giving to me. It's of all the places that I've been, it's been what fits me uh, most comfortably. And I think it, it's true for, for many of you as well. And so uh, there's a connection. There's a connection between me and the vineyard. And as your pastor, it's kind of good for you to know that, don't you think? And so um, I thought what we would do now um, is uh, take, a, take a few minutes to show the video that I mentioned. And this, is, this will give you some of the history of how the vineyard started and who these guys are. If I get a couple of guys, maybe hit the lights in the back there. Out. I was going to do the foolish thing. 
I didn't know it was going to be the coolest thing in the eyes of the church, too. I love it when God gets the glory for everything he does. And I, I love the fact that the vineyard represents that so well. Even though John Wimber, of course, is, is known as the one who has led the vineyard, uh, there were conversion elements that came together in the timing of the Holy Spirit that created the vineyard, that movement. The Jesus people movement was made up of a bunch of hippies in the 60s uh, that were searching for God. Out of that came Calvary Chapel Great Ministry, Costa Mesa. Out of Calvary Chapel's ministry, we were sent, my wife and I, to West LA, and we were starting to write the first uh, vineyard. There were a number of others that were started over the next few years. John and Carol became part of Calvary Chapel during that time because they wanted to do what they saw Calvary Chapel doing. By 1982, John and I had become such close friends, and I saw his gifts were so far superior to mine and measured. Just to get a sense of gifts, existing vineyards over to John. So he and Carol and the whole business would take it on from there, which they really did.
what, what, what we are looking for. And I think Vinya has a great chance of offering that because of its unique legacy and heritage. One of the biggest and most valuable values in the beginning was this notion that everybody gets to play the ministries for everybody. And a lot of people don't know how much Carol was sort of the radical there, meaning the real person who really kind of held our feet to that fire off. And John just walked off the stage after a magnificent, you know, kind of time of ministry and was so happy that God was using it. And Carol said to him, John, you've got to stop doing it. And John said, stop, what? What do you mean? That was God really using me. And Carl said, John, when you do that, you become a hero, and no one else thinks you can play. And this is about us releasing everybody else to do what you do. We were so excited about the Lord at the beginning, and still excited about the Lord, but it had turned into some kind of a, a religion for winners. It just wasn't any place for the weak. It just wasn't any place for the weak. The, the promises aren't just for elders or the older people or someone that know the scriptures well or the teachers. or The, the promise is for everybody, men, women, children. My girlfriend, Danielle, who's not my wife, invited me. And I've been going to a really conservative church. And I wasn't raised in church, so I was the only church I knew. And she told me, don't dress up when you come on Sunday. And... I didn't believe her. It wasn't until I was walking in the doors and saw the guy in front of me with flip-flops and ripped shorts that I decided maybe I should take my time off. It felt like most of my Christian experience was trying to be something else. And then somehow that God really just loved me right where I was at. It was a whole new way to think about faith. <laughs> to me is that I think God's saying that we're supposed to move to our colony and start a church. I wasn't quite sure that he had really had God, but we needed to investigate. So it's kind of risky. But we thought the risk of never doing it, we didn't want to get old and wonder if it was God, that outweighed what if we failed. So we decided the worst case scenario was if it wasn't God, we would just move back home and pay for our job stuff. Now, 25 years later, I think it was God. Our building was originally a lumber building. And we bought an old roller rink. We meet in a big converted warehouse, a funky former Catholic church. A very, very large building with a large sanctuary. Maybe a home to a YWCA, to a rented space. We actually built our own building. We created a big living room, large cafe, because we really value relationships. A number of the ministries that we have our church are the typical ones that you see. A lot of discipleship classes. Bible studies, small groups, a lot of leadership training that get up with their marriage. Divorce care. A single mom's ministry. We have men's groups and women's groups. A wonderful children's ministry. Teen and youth ministries, different kinds of college ministries. We value healing, so we have a lot of recovery ministries. We believe very strongly in training or equipping the site, so we have a uh, discipleship training for all of our members. Most of that's geared towards people in-house. And then we have just a whole line of ministry that is extended towards those outside of faith. A lot of ministry in the poor. We have clothes and hospital items. We have clean for the entire Fairbox area. Missions in Mexico and in Indonesia. Ministering to the spiritual and the practical needs of our community. There's ongoing things going on here. checkout counter, and uh, there was a lady in front of her. She didn't have any money, didn't have a debit card, didn't have a credit card. The lady behind her says, I'll pay for your grocery can, just go ahead through and I'll, I'll write out a check. She turns around and she says, why would you do that? And the lady says, well, at our church, they teach us a new kind of things in a practical way. The lady looked at her son and said, well, where do you go to church? She said, well, I go over here to the Indian church. And the lady says, I always wondered what you people did at that church. And so my question is, was this lady on shopping market or, or grocery store evangelism, or was she out living her life and intersected a moment when God was at work, she discovered it and went with the flow. The God of the kingdom is at work everywhere all the time. Our job and our joy is then to walk in that relationship, discover what he's doing, and then just participate in it. <laughs>
we've been defined as a church planting movement. And so basically what we're doing overseas is what we're doing here. We're planting churches that have the values of the vineyard contextualized for that culture. When I came into this role almost nine years ago, um, we were working in nine nations, and now we're seeing vineyard churches planted in about 60 different nations. And that's all been done through vineyard churches here in the United States. We've encouraged them to get with other churches that have a similar quality and form a partnership of those churches to do together what one of them can't do alone. We began getting emails almost uh, two or three days after the hurricane. Um, can we send supplies? Uh, we've got a team of people that love to come down and help. Can we come? And so this grassroots thing began to happen uh, spontaneously. And we had, uh, at times, 100 people staying on the property in tents cooking out at night and going into affected areas and working in the day coming out. You know, it was just a representation of the heart of the man. The kingdom has promised for the future. We're supposed to be bringing it into the present. And, you know, environmentalism is part of that process. You know, the city of Boise doesn't have a recycling center, so they, they have mobilized their church to be the recycling center. You know, they encourage um, people to transition from incandescent light bulbs to compact fluorescent light bulbs, you know, they're in a very scenic area there in Idaho, so they decided to go and volunteer with the forestry departments. They're activists that people mobilize, volunteer in their time, give them their stuff. It's not just talk, it's, it's needs. John called me up right after, you know, kind of late at night, he called me up and he said, Carol, and he was kind. He said, Carol, he said, We've got to do something about the poor. And he said, if we ever start a church again, if God ever does that, I want the focus to be the poor. That never left, that didn't leave yet. That's been a part of it from the beginning. We recently opened a community center. All the is is just a place to house a whole set of ministries that we have and to connect the skills and talents of people in the church with those in need in our communities. Instead of just handing out groceries, which is a good thing to do, we are involved in job training and job placement. We opened up a free medical clinic and we have a free dental clinic and, and a whole set of programs that are designed to assist people to help themselves. Bottom line of what I want the vineyard to be is people making difference. Because I can't think of anything worse than being irrelevant. And if we're not engaging in the real issues, if we're only concerned about saving people's souls, we are irrelevant. I was a teenager, I was a musician, I grew up outside the church. I had an idea of what, what I thought church was about and really wasn't what I was about. So I walked into this room of you know kids that look just like me, and kids from all you know all different kind of walks of life and not just your church kids. And I walked in into the worship setting struck by the, the presence of God. You know, I discovered this church that was for people like me and a church that, you know, didn't just talk about God, but they believed God was alive and active and that was very attractive to me. And I still can't I'm stuck. <laughs> You know, the one thing I love about the is being incredibly transparent. Like the people you get, I mean, who you are is what you get. I knew that if they looked at, when they were looking at me and talking to me, they were interested in my story. They were interested in who I was and what I did and what I thought and what I felt and what experience I had with God. I have people who love me in the vineyard and who welcome me with open arms. And it's a place where I feel like it's an immigrant. I just think that in our lives, everybody needs to be doing life with someone. It, it's pretty common to find that people are really connected with their family, and so they're really looking for a community of people to do life with. And so, for example, we have a linker system in our church, and that's where people come together. That's where you're going to find support. That's where you're going to find encouragement. That's where you're going to find help. That's where you can be real and transparent with people. So we're not going to be the laundry of the church. And the guy just kind of hanging around where we put all the pamphlets and stuff like that. And they asked me, Can I help you with anything? And they said, No, I'm just kind of looking around. Do you mind if I look around? So we said, No, go ahead. So we started looking around about 10 minutes later. We came back and just kind of hung around the uh, the information before us. And we said, You know, well, hey, I'm Charlie. You know, what's your story? And he's like, Well, I lost everything. And he said, I just got out of prison. And he said, 
the guards told me that, you know, when you get out, they'll come up with you and say, yes, I'll take care of you. And I was just honored and humbled to be in a church that has that kind of reputation. Trying to help our church planters have to innovate. I think we'll always be in flux. I think we'll always be in change because I think the Holy Spirit is doing something new in every generation. You know, I just think that there's some amazing opportunities that are opening up in, in terms of engaging the culture. I think the venue is going to become a very much more culturally and racially diverse group. And I want that we could be a church of our town. I would love to have a movement that really impacted people who were traditionally outside the reach of the church. The table is big and you're welcome. I'm ready for the vineyards have a lot of churches all over the United States and around the world that are characterized by authentic love of Jesus, where Jesus is really central and where they really love one another. And where they take that love out to the world, just be a people that really do make a difference. So they did a pretty good job with that video, don't you think? Everybody adjust their eyes, you can rub your eyes a little bit. So I, I thought that um, they could do a better job with uh, that presentation than I could and give you a wider feel of what the vineyard's been, some of its history and what they do and some of the values that they share. Now, I don't know, for me, that fits me. When I listen to what they have to say and the heart of what they've done and what they want to do, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I could be part of that. You know, maybe I can't do everything that some of these guys want to do, but there's a few of those things that would be really important to me and that I'd like to do. And so uh, my hope this morning in showing you that was that as we look at the vineyard, that some of you might feel that too. Hey, I could identify with that piece and with that piece and with that piece. And if we're going to be... As a as community church, if we're going to be associated with somebody, it'd be nice to know who that somebody was, right? And so I was hoping that would be would be helpful for you. Is that helpful? Yeah. Cool. Thank you. And so I, I want to finish up by just talking a little bit about Vineyard Canada. Um, some amazing things about Vineyard Canada. Uh, the Vineyard was very much just a United States thing for the, its early. Uh, development, but Canada was the very first nation outside of the U.S. where they were able to have their own uh, separate um, identity, still be part of the greater vineyard family, but they had their own um, national organization. I think that's pretty cool. Um, if you want to personally do some research on Vineyard Canada, um, there's a great website called vineyard.ca, and they have a whole bunch of stuff there. You could talk, you could find out about the vision, you can find out some of the history and some of the structure of how Vineyard Canada operates. There's even a church finder on there. If you like the vineyard and thinking, hey, I got a friend who lives in Alberta, I wonder if there's a vineyard that I could send them to, where you can find vineyard churches there. <clears throat> the first vineyard church uh, in Canada was planted in January 1985. So if Wimba took this thing over in 82, it was not that long, right? Uh, afterwards, so if the vineyard's 30 years old, Vineyard Canada is what now, 27 years old. So we've had a significant um, role to play um, since the early days. Uh, a year later, uh, in '86, the second vineyard was uh, established uh, in the Vancouver area, and the movement began. Um, within a few more years, vineyards began spreading up out, up across the country, uh, really from. Uh, from coast to coast. A decade later, in the summer of 95, Gary and Joy Best, some of you guys know Gary and Joy, just amazing people. Nadine and I had the privilege of meeting them just a few weeks after we got here. I love how God kind of 
puts all the pieces of the puzzle together. So we get here September 1st. I think it's the third weekend in, in September where they're having the Atlantic Region uh, Pastors uh, Couple, Pastor Couples Conference uh, in Dominion Hill um, down in, um, in the St. Stephen's area of New Brunswick. And so we get to meet all these wonderful people, including uh, Gary uh, and Joy. Humble people, gifted people. For, um, they were the national directors for uh, up until really this past summer. They, they've just retired, and, they've, and they're now they're operating this, this retreat center. Lovely place. But we don't know anybody, right? And they're all new faces to us. And so Gary and Joy, I don't know that they're Gary and Joy best. They were the national directors of this thing. They're just the guys running the retreat center. And so, and they were just... They were just regular people. They were just ordinary. There was no airs about them. I can't tell you how priceless that is. And Gary, <clears throat> who's this incredible man of God, just creative, innovative, strong leader, been a blessing to Vineyard Canada for decades now. He's quiet almost the whole weekend. He's just serving. He's bringing water so we have something to drink and making sure dinners are in order and cleaning up and stacking chairs. I'm thinking, well, he's just part of the staff here that runs the retreat center. Until the last day, we're in one of our final meetings, and I hear this voice, this deep, resonant voice that has authority on it. And it's coming from across the room, and I'm thinking, who is that? Because I've been listening to these guys all week, and wonderful guys, but nobody's voice is carrying the weight in the spirit that I hear on this voice. And so I'm looking, I keep trying to, you know, people turn their heads, like, who's talking right now? And it was Gary. There's something really unique on that guy. When he speaks, it's good to listen. So they've been a blessing to Vineyard Canada for decades now. <clears throat> according, to the, um, according to the Vineyard Canada website, there are at least 52 vineyard churches uh, in the country and eight churches in our region, the Atlantic region. They have a unique organizational structure, kind of begins with the local church, and then it goes out to what they refer to as clusters, churches in an area and in regions, a bigger area, and then they have a national team. And, um, and so they've done something different. I guess it's hard to replace somebody like a Joy and Gary Best. You just don't you know, plug and play someone after they've been in that role for a couple of decades. And so they're, they're, they've come up with a new system. Um, They've been transitioning, Gary and Joe have been transitioning out for the last three or four years. And, uh, and so they have a new leadership uh, style, a new leadership structure um, on a national level where they have teams of couples rather than just one individual. And so, um, so there's one couple from each of Canada's regions, Larry and and Karen Levy from the East, and they'll be with us uh, next week. And then they have a couple in Ontario, one from the prairies, and another couple out west. And so each couple has a different responsibility. It's very much a team um, style of leadership. Uh, the Levies, for example, will be representing uh, Vineyard Canada internationally. Uh, Larry uh, Levy was down in... Um, I think it was in Maine just uh, this past summer because the Vineyard U.S. has transitioned in their leadership. The guy who told the story about the supermarket where they paid for the woman's groceries, uh, Phil Stroud, he's the new leader of uh, Vineyard uh, USA. Great guy. And, um, and Larry got to represent us uh, down at that meeting. Um, and, and so other, the other couples have various responsibilities. Some will represent Vineyard Canada to other denominations. And so, I don't know, it looks like a pretty good thing. I'm excited to hear more when these guys come next week. They'll give us some updates on what's next uh, for Vineyard Canada. Um, the way it's been communicated to me is that Vineyard Canada is in a season of going back to its roots. And I think, I think that's good. I think that's good for us, because even as Nadine and I went through the, the interview process... That was almost the same terminology that was expressed to us. We want to go back to some of our vineyard roots. And so it seems like we're in line with um, a lot of what's happening with the, 
organization nationwide. And so what's the connection between Community Church and Vineyard Canada? About five years ago, more or less, uh, Brian Metzger had invited a gentleman named Peter Finch. So you guys know Peter, amazing guy, brilliant. Some people, when they speak, it's like, I need to dissect his sentence because every word has something significant on it. And just a great guy. Vineyard, uh, Peter is uh, the pastor of the St. Croix Vineyard in St. Stephen, New Brunswick. So uh, Brian had uh, Peter come in, and together with our leadership, they worked to bring uh, Charlottetown Community Church into the Vineyard uh, Canada family. And so it's, it's good. It's exciting. Um, it's a time where we can get to connect with the rest of the family. And um, I think it'll be a good thing. So, like I said, the national leader, one of the national leaders, Larry and Karen Levy, will be here next week, as will our regional leader, Rick and, Carrie, uh, Rick and Kathy Berry, and they'll share with us some of the new things um, that are going on. If you can be here, please do be here. I think we're going to learn and hear things that might have a significant uh, impact on us for the road ahead. So... That's about all the vineyard history information I've been able to gather. I hope that that's uh, valuable to you. Um, so on another note, I just want to switch gears for a minute. Pray for our church. And, and as you pray for our church, pray for these things. Please. Pray that we would live loved. I spent eight weeks on that sermon series on the Father's love. I think there is nothing more significant to our spiritual journey than that we would be a people who live loved, that we would live our lives convinced of the truth, of the established fact that the Father loves us lavishly and extravagantly. Pray that we live loved. And then, as you continue to pray, pray that we live love. <laughs> that from living love, that we would live love, that we would love one another. That as we live loved vertically, that we would live love horizontally. Pray that God would pour out his Holy Spirit on the church in fresh and new ways. I leak. Man, life is hard. Sometimes my bucket gets shot full of holes, you know? And it feels like, it feels like I spiritually leak. Anybody else ever been there? Sometimes I need to be filled up again. I think churches need to be filled up again. I can't think of anything bad that would happen if there was a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our church. It would certainly make things exciting <laughs> and dynamic. I want more of him. So pray for that. And then finally, um, boy, this place was packed to capacity last week, right? It was like standing room only. We have a little bit of space now with the kids out of the room. But there is a, there is a church growth theory that says that once you get to about 80% of capacity, it's going to start to hinder growth. And I think there's truth to that. Anybody ever been on a long airplane flight and you got, you know, it's three seats across so you got three guys as fat as me sitting in those seats, right? That's not a comfortable experience. Well, when we're as packed as we were last week, I think that's how people leave. It feels like, oh, I've been sitting like this for the last hour and I just want this person next to me to not be touching me anymore, you know? <laughs> and so, um, as you pray for the church, pray that we live loved, that we live love for a fresh outpouring of spirit. But would you begin to pray that God would provide a bigger place for us? You know, I know that the churches, we've been pretty transient. We've moved around. We've been somewhat nomadic in the city in the, in the 10 years of our existence. But um, it wouldn't take much for us to outgrow this space. And I think it would be wise of us to be praying before we get to that place and to have our eyes open. You know, I can look around, but if we have a hundred sets of eyes looking around, maybe we'll see more than what we see now. I don't know that there's a whole lot of options, but, you know, God can do anything. I, I, I was reading the news this morning before we came to church, and this is what kind of sparked it. There was some, I forget where it was, there's some guy, he's doing renovation on his house, putting in a new heating and ventilation and air conditioning system. And as they ripped open the walls, they find these two mason jars filled with gold dust, worth about $300,000. How long did they live in that house? How long were those jars there that he didn't know that they were in there? I think maybe God has hidden treasure for us. I'm not saying we're going to find gold dust in mason jars. But if he wanted to give that to me, I would, I would keep it. I wouldn't give it back. <laughs> I wouldn't be upset with that. But, you know, just to use as an analogy, sometimes there's hidden treasures 
that are right around us, but they haven't been revealed. Wouldn't it be cool if God would, would do that uh, for community church as well? So I don't think we're in urgent need, but I think we're at the place where it's wise to keep our eyes open. Maybe maybe something, something will surprise us like, like those guys were surprised. So let's pray. I'll let you guys get on with your day. Father, you're so good to us. I thank you for, um, for the rich spiritual heritage um, that is ours. That, goes, that Andrew talked about last week and how that first vineyard church cleared out the trees so that we could, so we could work the land. Well, thank you. Thank you for um, all the efforts that have gone before us. No, we thank you for Brian and Donna and for how they brought us to this place. And Lord, we want to be faithful stewards of what's been passed on to us. Would you help us? Give us eyes to see what you're doing. Save us from our good ideas. And lead us to, in a path that will accomplish your purposes. Lord, if you have another place for us, would you reveal to us where it is? And would you give us favor with whoever owns it? And would you make the connection with the right person, speak to the right person at the right time? Do that, Lord. Lord, we pray for our visitors who are coming next week, for the Levies and the Berries. Lord, we thank you that they take the time to be with us. We ask that you bless them, that their travels would be safe, and that the time that they're here, that not only would they be life-giving to us, but that we would be life-giving to them, that they would leave here blessed and refreshed, and excited about the work of your kingdom here on PEI. And Lord, would you increase um, your presence in us, and would you increase our influence in this land? Amen. Yeah. Yeah, just like you told us to pray. Lord, let your kingdom come on PEI. Let your kingdom come in Charlottetown, let your kingdom come in the hearts and minds of every person here. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Right here on earth. Just like it is in heaven. Would you do that for us, Lord? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen? We love you guys. And thank you for coming. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I'll see you throughout the week.